we got Glenn Hostler is going to be preaching for us today while Pastor is out of town. So give a nice warm welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Uh, I uh, always appreciate your invitation to come and share with you. And uh, I, I'm excited. Uh, a lot of times you kids get to go do your thing, right? But today you're going to stay here? Okay. Would you, would you like for me to preach a, a, an hour-long message? <laughs> say, say no. <laughs> I will try to keep it short. But I have a question for you. Do any of you kids know who the followers of Jesus were called in the New Testament. Any of you have any idea? I bet you might know. You got to... Who? Apostles. Awesome. Do any of you know any apostle by name? Any of them? Who? Paul. You know what? He was. Any others? John? Peter? Matthew? Man, you guys are doing good. Who else? Mark. You know what? Mark's in the Bible, but he, he was too young to be one of those followers of Jesus until later, until he grew up a little bit. But Mark wrote a book. Luke. Luke was also one of those who wrote a book. But he wasn't a follower of Jesus until later. He was one of those that Paul helped bring to Christ. Well, today, I'm going to share with you a testimony, the personal testimony of one of the disciples in the New Testament. So, I'll try to uh, put on my other face. It was a strange evening. We, we had gathered in the guest room of a house where we were all anticipating observing the Passover with our rabbi. It started out pretty normal for a Passover as we came in and we saw that the table was all prepared for us. And we all went to sit down in our places and, and that's when the first incident occurred. There was some jostling as, as people tried to sit in the seats of honor next to the master. And not everybody got to sit where they wanted to. And you could sense that there was some, some tension in the room and, and an undercurrent of, of grumbling. And then the first strange thing happened. Rabbi got up from his place at the head of the table and he, and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash Andrew's feet. And, and we all sat there with our mouths open. This washing somebody's feet, this was the job of a servant. But, but since there were no servants around, it actually should have been my job. Because I was the youngest one in the room. And according to tradition, if there was no servant able to do it, that task fell to the youngest one. It should have been my job. I should have been the one to wash everybody's feet. That was our custom. It, it was the normal thing to do. And I should have done it. 
but I've been so caught up in the moment and, and the holiday and the bickering over who gets to sit where that it hadn't even dawned on me to do it. So I just sat there like all the rest. And I just couldn't believe my eyes. This was Jesus, our rabbi, our master. Many of us, maybe all of us, believed him to be even more than that. We had all tossed around words like Messiah and Son of God when we talked about him. He was the greatest rabbi any of us had ever seen. But he was so much more than that. He had such connection with Yahweh, whom he called Abba, his father. And he had such confidence. And he spoke with such authority. And he was always in control of every single situation. And oh man, did he do some miracles, some amazing miracles, even raising people from the dead. Yes, he was so much more than just a rabbi. He truly was our Lord and our master in every sense of the word. And here he was washing our feet again. That should have been my job. Well, when he came to me, I couldn't even look him in the eyes. I was so ashamed that I, that I, that I hadn't jumped up and, and taken the basin and the towel from him and, and finished what he had started. I was so ashamed that he felt like he had to do my job for me. I, I just I couldn't look him in the eyes. But he reached out his hand and he cupped my chin and he moved my face so that I had to look him in the eyes. And then he smiled at me. And he told me that he was proud of me. And that he wanted to do this for me. And he told me not to worry. That, that I'd understand someday. And, and then he hugged me and, and went to wash Philip's feet. And, and I... I just sat there overwhelmed with love for this man. And my heart swelled with gratitude. He could have made me feel lower than a worm. He could have showed me up in front of everybody. But instead, he made me feel good. Good about him. Good about being there. And, and good even about him washing my feet. Humbled? <laughs> oh, yeah. Really humbled, but good. He made me feel so good and so glad that I was one of his. Well, I told you it was a strange night, and that was just the beginning. He started teaching us nuances about the Passover that we had never heard before. And then he... Then he dropped a bombshell. He said, one of you here in this very room will betray me. What? What? 
we all looked at each other like we couldn't believe what we had just heard. Because we couldn't. One of us? Betray him? Who? Who would do such a thing? Who could do such a thing? Talk about a mood changer. <laughs> well, we were still wrestling with that statement when he resumed the Passover observance. Only this time, he didn't just teach us nuances that we'd never heard before. He, he changed the whole observance. He took the unleavened bread, and instead of reciting the traditional discourse that we had heard all of our lives, he broke it, and he gave it to us, and he said, take this and eat it. It's my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And then a little later, he did a, a similar thing with the cup, saying, drink it. It's my blood. That wasn't in the script. That was new. And it was confusing. <laughs> and, and it was frightening. I mean, what did it mean? What, what did he mean? My body? My blood? We talked for a long time after that. Jesus kept talking about suffering and dying and new covenants and a whole lot of things that we didn't understand. And he told us that he was only going to be with us for a little longer. He told us he was going to go and prepare a place for us and then he'd come back to get us so that we could be with him. And he told us to love each other. <laughs> he told us that a lot. He told us to trust him. He told us he was the way, the truth, and the life. And he told us that if we really knew him, we would know his father, Yahweh, as well. He told us so many things that night, I, I can't remember all of them. The whole evening was so strange, full of shocking announcements and, and actions and commands and instructions and information, and it was, it, really, it was more than I could take in. But I do remember how he kept emphasizing how he wanted us to love. Love him, love Yahweh. Love each other? Love those who weren't his followers? Even love his enemies. I remember that. Not only because he emphasized it, but, but because he took the time to really show us how much he loved us. It was like he was setting an example for us on how to love. And then he said this, and I know this is what he said because John wrote it down, but I would have remembered it anyway. This is what he said, and, and it's actually found in your Bibles in John chapter 14. He said, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then I, Judas, not, not Judas Iscariot, said, but, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. That's what he said. Oh, he said a lot more. But this is one of the things that I remember most. Maybe because I was the one who asked the question. And Jesus didn't really answer what I asked. But he gave us an answer that told us far more than if he just answered my question as I asked it. Oh, by the way, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Judas. I love that name, Judas. It was a name that's been honored in my family for many generations. I was proud of it. But as you all know by now, the other Judas was the betrayer. He was the one who sold out Jesus for just a few pieces of silver. He was the one who led the soldiers to arrest Jesus. He was the one who gave up on and, and rejected and, and turned on the most wonderful man any of us had ever met. The most decent, kind, good, honest, caring, confident, compassionate, wise, authoritative, loving, divine man that any of us had ever known. Truly, he was the Messiah, the Son of God. Judas, not me, but Judas Iscariot, he was the one who betrayed Jesus, and he was the one who gave the name Judas a bad taste in people's mouths. So, I used to like my name. I used to be proud to be called Judas but not anymore. I've been confused with that other Judas far too many times, and I can't stand the look on people's faces when they think that I'm the one who betrayed Jesus. So now I go by my other name, Thaddeus. So much easier. I don't ever want to be accused of betraying my Lord. No, never it's bad enough that, that I deserted him. I ran and hid later that night when they came to arrest him. Yes, I failed to stand with Jesus in his greatest hour of need. And I have deeply 
grieved over that ever since. But betray him? Never. And never again would I desert him. No. In fact, that's the point of, of my story this morning. To encourage you to not lose your way like I did for a little while on that night. But to keep the faith. To, how do you say it? Keep on keeping on. Jesus said, you have loved me. Keep on loving me. Jesus rose from that cross and he came back and spoke to all of us. And I remember how graciously he forgave me, all of us, for not standing with him that night, for all the other things that we did that we didn't want to do. He so graciously accepted us back as his disciples, his apostles. And he kept on teaching us. And he kept on encouraging us to keep on. So I want to share with you a few things that you should keep on doing. Maybe some of you like to write things down. If you do, I'll give you five things you can write. First thing is keep on loving. He wants us to love him, to love his father, to love each other, to love those who aren't his followers, and even love those who are his and our enemies. I think that's the most important thing he ever said and the most important thing he wants us to do. Love. Love like he did. He also said, you have obeyed me, keep on obeying me. So that's the second thing, keep on obeying. Obey him, obey his teachings, obey his commands. We show our love for him by how we obey him. And next, keep on serving. Serving. I'll never forget his washing my feet. But when I think about it, he was always doing things like that for us. He was always serving us. He set such an example for me that I can't help but want to serve him as he did us by serving others. And four, keep on witnessing. Witnessing. A little later that night, he told us that he had chosen us to go and bear much fruit, meaning he wanted us to go and, and get others to become his followers. He also said that he would send us his Holy Spirit who would testify about him so that we could also testify, also witness to the world about him. So keep on witnessing. And fifth, the last thing I'll share, keep on believing. This one is really important too. 
Finally, we began to understand some of what Jesus was telling us. We began to get what he was saying. We asked enough questions, and he gave us enough answers that we started to get it. And he said to us, you believe at last. But then he told us that we would have a tough time keeping on believing. He told us that following him would sometimes be difficult and sometimes be painful and sometimes it would cost us everything, sometimes even our lives. But he told us he would pray for us and he would always be with us because he was going to send his very spirit to live inside of us to help us overcome Satan and do the things that he was asking us to do. And he reassured us that in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, he would give us his peace. <laughs> and to keep on believing because he would overcome Satan and he would win the victory. So, my friends, thank you for letting me come and share my story with you this morning. But let me encourage you again. Keep on believing. Keep the faith. Hang in there, no matter how hard it gets. And remember how much Jesus loves you. Enough to die for you. That's what he meant when he said that the Passover bread was his body and the cup was his blood. I didn't understand it then, but I do now. And that, my friends, was the most incredible act of love I've ever seen, that he was willing to go to the cross for me, for you. Pay the penalty for our sins. And every time I think about him dying for me and you, I just want to bow down and, and tell Jesus how much I love him, how grateful I am that he chose me to be one of his. I hope you feel that way too. Thank you for letting me share this story.